Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello, I'm Mark Dolan and welcome to Headliners, your first look at tomorrow's papers, always in the company of two top comedians. Joining me tonight are a comedy giant, Leo Kirst. That's not a judgment on quality. He's just tall. And the big dog himself, Nick Dixon. And we'll start with a look at tomorrow's front pages. And we have the Sunday Telegraph. And they're leading with Sunak, I would cap number of refugees. Meanwhile, public may have to cut energy to avoid winter blackouts. Next up, the Independent. The carbon cost of Europe's wildfires. Uh, a very arresting photograph of a firefighter in Lesbos in Greece. And anger at Sunak's hardline plans for immigration. The Observer next, travel chaos, the new normal after Brexit, British tourists are warned. And Thatcher ministers turn on trust over tax cut plans. The Sunday Mirror now, cost of living exclusive, NHS staff sell their days off to pay bills. The Sunday Times now, it's no longer feasible to be a full-time GP and French insistence on passport stamps causing holiday chaos. Also on the front page of the Sunday Times, Lords put Spanner in Boris Johnson's plan to create dozens of peers. Sunday Express now. Boris Johnson on his legacy. We did take back control. For three years, we've been sticking up for you, says the outgoing Prime Minister. Invested in our future, the NHS, and making streets safe. And time and again, we got the big calls right, says Boris Johnson. Daily Star Sunday, last but not least. Britain is hottest since the Stone Age. Yabba dabba few, say the star on Sunday. And those are your front pages. Let's start with The Observer and the new normal, Leo. Tell me more. Apparently the new normal is going to be travel chaos after Brexit. has been uh, the warning to British tourists from the, the anti-Brexit uh, paper The Observer. So uh, Rishi Sunak, as well in The Telegraph, has, has, has said to the French, you know, stop blaming Brexit for the Dover chaos because uh, on Friday there were tailbacks, uh, there's a sort of logjam at Dover, everybody's getting their passport checked, and it was six hours, six hours uh, to, to get through Dover uh, when you used to, you know, sail through, even if you're in a truck, the truck sailed. Don't know how that works. But, but the uh, French have put new people in the passport stands and uh, brought the, the waiting time down to three or four hours. But Rishi Sunak is still, is still sort of sabre-rattling, obviously with one eye on the Premiership, uh, try, trying to, you know, look tough, look like he's going to be the man uh, to take on uh, the issues, you know, that, that have been caused by, by Brexit and also take on the fact that Europe is trying to punish the UK for leaving. So, that, you know, there's no incentive for, for Europe to actually make these, these cues less. Uh, it could possibly backfire because... Uh, Doug Bannister, who's the sort of head honcho at, at Dover, uh, has said that the French actually did quite well and stepped up to the mark. And we've seen chaos at airports in the UK. So it's not as if those, those would have been caused by, by Brexit. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's caused by, you know, there's other factors with, uh, you know, staffing issues and all the rest of well, it. Well, yes, and actually there have been problems at Dover before 
we left the European Union long before Brexit. The, the, somebody on Twitter had a screen grab of a story in The Guardian from 2014 about queues at Dover in the summer. Uh, so we might be in the territory of not being able to organise a drink party in a brewery, as per the French, as usual. Um, do you think it's the fault of Brexit, this problem at Dover? Um, I think if there's a chance to blame the French, then it's just an open goal. I mean, why are we missing that? <laughs> Obviously, Rishi's not, but there's, this is a debate. Is it, the, is it the French? Is it Brexit? But there were four uh, French duty officers on uh, duty on 10 booths. So, obviously, they were, they were understaffed. And there was a great call about it today. Um, Peter Wilding, who apparently coined the term Brexit, called Andrew Castle on the radio, and he was explaining why it was Brexit. And Andrew Castle went full Kevin Keegan on him and said, you would love it, you would love it if, this was, if we struggled with this and if it was due to Brexit. You... And the point was, you know, there, are this, there is this Ramona blob, as Dan likes to call it, that wants to blame everything on Brexit and yeah. just takes the side of anyone against us, apparently. Yeah. But I think this is a great opportunity to not blame Brexit and blame the French. Ramona Blob is actually the name of a French woman as well. <laughs> but, yeah, four staff, four French staff on those passport uh, passport booths. So that's one to smoke a Galois, yeah. one to write some existential poetry, yeah. uh, one to look at a woman. But exactly. Uh, Some people are accusing the French of sort of deliberately going slow and having a kind of petulant attitude. That's not like the French, though, is it? Yeah. To sort of mess around. <laughs> yeah. But whether it's the, the Channel migrant crisis or, or getting people out of Dover and onto the continent, we require the cooperation of the French, which appears to be in limited supply, Leo. We do, yeah. And I mean, there was some sort of rapprochement, using a French word there to nice. show that I also want rapprochement. There was some with, uh, with Ukraine, and I think you know that very brought, middle class lately. Brought, you know that. That's the, very, that was the, the, in Scotland, I'm middle class. Mark. That was the Baby, Scottish version. Of that word. Let's stick to. Let's You're stick basically to, aristocracy let's stick to in Glasgow, story. aren't you? Let's stick to the story instead. You're of like Kate Middleton, north of the border. Shut up. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so so basically, um, oh man, what, what was I going to say? <laughs> well, well, we require the cooperation of the French. Yeah, we require the and, cooperation. But we're not, we're not going to get it. We're not, we're not going to get it if, uh, you know, if, if politicians try and look tough by, you know, barging in and, and slamming uh, French politicians and slamming the French civil service. But so, nothing you know, works. This, I mean, this, when we're nice to them, it doesn't work. When we paid them money to sort out the migrant crisis, they don't stop it. Millions we've sent to Paris in order to get their help with the boats. Uh, the numbers well, that, that's are, are why, at a record high. That's why the Rwanda plan is actually a pretty sensible plan. It's not, we're not reliant on the French to do it. Uh, we can we can do it ourselves, and it's a plan that's already been used by uh, well, uh, the European Union, uh, and I think the UN as well has, has moved uh, Libyan uh, refugees to, to Rwanda. So yeah, Denmark, clearly... Denmark, Denmark have looked, looked at Denmark it as well. as well. You say we can do it ourselves, except the ECHR has stopped us doing it because we're not allowed to, you know, they grounded that plane. Yeah, but I think that's going to be a temporary thing. Or we just we just do it anyway. Why yeah, do we have to... Like, come on, if, if Putin's shown us anything, it's that, you know, you can sometimes make your own rules. Leo cursing shock pro Putin stance. No, I didn't say. It. I didn't say it. The, the ones Putin have done have been good. Who but... knew? Uh, on that awkward note, the Sunday Mirror now <laughs> and the WHO are worried about my least favourite 16th-century pirate disease. Nick. <laughs> yes, the Mirror. Monkeypox declared global health emergency by who after surging cases? And that's not a question I'm asking. It's the WHO, of course. And this is in a, this is in a statement from the WHO, and they've said that it's uh, in more than 70 countries, an, ex an extraordinary situation. The UK had just detected uh, seven cases prior to 2022, but then earlier this week there were 2,137 in the UK, 2,050 in England, majority in London, not much of a shock 
there. And so it's panic and fear, and this is the new thing we should all be afraid of, even though someone here says Steve Russell, NHS director of vaccinations, while the risk of monkeypox remains very low in nearly every case we've seen so far has recovered quickly, over 2,000 people have been affected. Also, what they're not saying here, or they do actually mention it, they say that actually uh, gay and bisexual men have been told that they're at higher risk. And there was this interesting thread on Twitter you may have seen. It wasn't really a thread, it was a series of tweets from a, a guy, and he said, I can't really go into the details even at this time of night, but he said that he'd been to an orgy at the weekend and he'd had sexual contact with around 15 to 20 men, and he'd now had monkeypox. So <laughs> be careful, guys. He, he, advised, <laughs> he advised at the end, if you can, avoid groups and anon encounters. So that is the advice we're giving here, public health advice. And the other thing the WHO are baffled about, just to finish, is how Leo Kurse hasn't got it yet. <laughs> Nick, I do. And actually, you've <laughs> oh, got it no. now as well. So oh, we were this, touching this before. How, this is how you're diagnosed, I'm afraid, live on TV. But yeah, I think this, I mean, the, the guy, the, um, you know, the NHS director of vaccinations has said that uh, while the risk remains very low and everyone so far has got it, it's just recovered quite quickly and with no, you know, long-term ill effects. So this is just the WHO. They've got a bunch of scientists. They've got all this grant money flooding in from various sources, governments, the Gates Foundation. They want that gravy train to keep rolling. So they're just scrambling around looking for something else that can be the next pandemic. And they've settled on monkeypox. And it, it doesn't really seem to be, I mean, all right, for some people who go to mass orgies, I mean, we, we can all cut back in the dogging for a few months or whatever. But for Speak most for people, yourself. it's not going to be... <laughs> I get a lot of use out of that Prius. <laughs> Excellent suspension. Never buy a used car from Mark Dolan. Never. Message. Not without giving it a deep clean. Well, I feel <laughs> depressingly monkeypox free. Oh. Such is my rather boring social life. Uh, the Sunday Telegraph once more, and the grain deal between Russia and Ukraine seems to be in peril, Leo. Yes, so uh, on Friday, the Kremlin signed a deal with the UN and Ukraine to allow millions of tonnes of Ukrainian grain uh, to leave from Odessa, which is a Black Sea port, and, you know, from there it can go to Turkey and it can go to the Middle East and to, to Africa. And Russia... So Russia signed this deal. Then the next day, in typical Russian style, they bombed Odessa. They bombed the port that they were going to... They said they were going to allow grain to leave from. You know, just a, a flagrant, uh, you know, disabusive... You know, just... Uh, Almost spitting in the face of, of Ukraine and the, and the United Nations, and uh, I mean this is a, this is a huge issue because uh, you know the, uh, we're ha having huge inflation, food, food inflation at the moment, but it's more even more of an issue in the Middle East and Africa, uh, where people really depend on Russian and Ukrainian grain to, to get their, their calories, and uh, you know whenever whenever wheat prices spike, then you see mass instability. You saw it in the, the Arab Spring. And uh, Putin uh, uses things like this to, to create em immigration surges into, into Europe and the UK. So, you know, 2014, 2015, there was this, he went into Syria, destabilised there, you know, helped Bashar al-Assad create this huge uh, refugee migration that came up to, to Europe. Um, you know, he, he even tried to do it more recently with, uh, with Belarus, actually, you know, just flying uh, migrants into, into Belarus and saying, there's the Polish border, there you go for your life. Um, and, you know, what he doesn't realise is that diversity is strength. So all of those migrants that he's, uh, you know, trying to get into Europe is just making us stronger. But, yeah, hopefully, hopefully Turkey's going to be able to, to get a handle on this because Turkey needs, needs the grain as well, and Turkey controls all shipping that goes in and out of the Black Sea. And uh, so Russia can't get any more naval ships through, so perhaps we can, you know, sink all, the, sink all their battleships and then mm -hmm. they can't stop. There you go. Well, uh, Putin, the dirty tricks disruptor, strikes again. Sunday's independent now, and Cricket Scotland are issuing an apology, Nick, uh, for the game being boring. It wasn't that, Mark, although that, they could have done that. But then being rubbish at it? No. Never heard of Scottish cricket. 
There, there are more local cricket clubs in Scotland than there are football clubs. Get out. They, they had Angus Fraser when I was growing up, but he just played for England, which saved everyone a lot of bother. Yes, Cricket Scotland apologises to racial abuse victims ahead of review publications. So Majid Hack told Sky Sports News that Cricket Scotland was institutionally racist, along with every other institution in the country, of course. And um, while former teammate Kazim Sheikh said he'd also suffered racist abuse. So it's more racism. And I do sympathise with this institutional racism claim because, of course... There is institutional racism in this country against white people. Because, um, <laughs> you know, if you go the BBC, ITV, Channel 4, say you can't have Rotherham, a job... Telford. You know, they put, like, on the job application, they say you can't go for this if you're white. A policeman even successfully sued over that. Yeah. So I do sympathise for those reasons. Yeah, and if you're the victim of a grooming gang, uh, you know, good luck getting any help from the police or from the establishment if you're a working-class white girl. Uh, but this guy, so the lawyer of these, uh, these guys... And I, I'm not denying there's, you know, racism in Scotland. Um, you know, even, even now that I've left, uh, there's, it's still there. But, um, but Amar Anwar, uh, who's their lawyer, he will jump on anything and turn it, turn it into a, a race-related case. So in 2008, he, he, a judge threw out Anwar's own accusation. He said, um, he said a, a Scottish woman had been racist towards him and his wife. Um, and he, he's been tried for misconduct and contempt, contempt of court. So any issue that, that comes up, you know, he, he tries to... He's almost like an ambulance chaser for, for racial injustice right. cases, which obviously there are loads of now because we've got all these race-related laws. Yeah, and just for the record, I was being satirical. I'm not saying this doesn't happen, but because I'd seen Leo's take on, on Anwar saying that he goes after anything, I've become a bit cynical about this particular case. Yeah. That's why. I'm also cynical about it as well. I mean, the, the major racism in Scotland they need to clamp down on is anti-English racism. And while, you know... And that's cases. not a joke, by the way. You, you, I think you think the SNP is sort of institutionally prejudicial against English people. Oh, 100%. I mean, the SNP are, are founded by, uh, you know, they were, they were Nazi sympathisers because they thought the Nazis could, could, you know, break the bond with England and free them from, from England. And, you know, while some English people, like you two, you know, deserve the opprobrium, uh, you know, a lot of English people aren't... Um, as... So now you're sort of saying they're doing the same by siding with the EU against England. Is that what you're saying? I think the EU is slightly worse than... No, the EU is not quite as... <laughs> I just wonder if that was the link you were making. No, I wasn't making that oh, link at it's all. It's funny that in relation to the EU, because the EU would take Scotland under any circumstances just to give the UK a bloody nose, wouldn't they? Again, like, like they cause uh, border chaos, uh, they'd, they'd take Scotland just to, just to sort of rub... Uh, England's nose. And you know what would be really funny, just to do a bit of a Leo Curse impression, but how are they going to protect the single market I think I can if Scotland actually, become independent? I think I can actually prosecute that under Scotland's <laughs> race laws. That was a hate crime. But that, <laughs> that would be the hilarity. That I mean, I don't want an independent Scotland. I think it would be terrible for the people of Scotland and, and for the UK. But if Scotland were to leave and then become part of the EU, there's no way that the EU can protect their single market because their new member will be attached by land to a non-EU country. And suddenly, the Northern Ireland Protocol wouldn't be required and this nightmare would end. It would be, yeah, I mean, the but Scotland being in the EU but out of the UK would be so nonsensical. Having a, you know, a hard border, the Scottish border, a different currency, different laws, it, it would just make no sense. Let's hope it doesn't happen, but there you go. It's all about opinions. The Independent once again. And Manchester is about to be the least smelly city in Britain, Leo. Well, certainly from cigarettes, so smoking is said to be banned in public spaces across Greater Manchester. So areas such as Piccadilly Gardens, St Peter's Square, uh, the area around Manchester Town Hall could all become cigarette-free zones under new proposals. I don't know if they're going to work on, uh, on heroin 
as well. But th this seems like a, a step too far. When when they came through and banned smoking in pubs and nightclubs, you know, I, I was I was a relatively young man at that time, and it, it made sense. You know, it helped me to quit smoking, and it was nice because even when I was smoking, you you go out, but you'd come home, you wouldn't be absolutely reeking of uh, of cigarettes. Whereas now, you know, banning smoking outside, the smoke disappears into the air. It doesn't stick to anybody's clothes. No. Yeah, I mean, I'm torn on this because I do like small government, except for when we get the, the Christian theocracy. But for now, I like to have <laughs> small government. And I don't like this kind of nanny state stuff. But at the same time, I despise smoking. So I'm really torn on this. But it does seem like overreach. And I don't like the fact that they're copying Melbourne and New York, two of the worst leftist regimes in the world. <laughs> And, um, of course, they have to experiment on my people from the north, half my family's from Greater Manchester, try it up north on, on the northern lot. And, you know, I don't like that either. But I do, but I do also hate smoking. And, and the fact that we've done so many gigs in comedy clubs, if they still allowed smoking, we'd all be dead by now, mm -hmm. which, of course, many people on the Twitter would like, but we wouldn't like it so much. <laughs> yeah. Do you think people on Twitter hate you so much they'd actually come to a comedy club and spark up a cigar? Some of them do, yeah. And it's, yeah, I've seen some of the tweets about you as well, and they definitely would. They're all joking when they say stuff like that. <laughs> no, it's outrageous. Uh, Leo, I'm glad you've, uh, you've given up smoking. You smell really good these days. Is it <laughs> Lynx Africa? <laughs> certainly is. That's it. I'm, I'm diverse. So, Joke from the 90s yeah. there. Yeah. Jungle fever. Old school. I'm here all week. Now, <laughs> on to the star on Sunday and from one up-and-coming area to a town where I believe Nick has a series of rental properties <laughs> that he's let out. Yes, I'm a buy-to-let land baron in Chatham. So it's in, inside UK's slobbiest town, branded a S-hole, where only exercise is drinking. So yeah, Chatham, famously home of chavs, not my words, the articles in the Daily Star, has been, a, yes, branded a, a slobbiest town. And there's some... And, and someone on... I Live Here, the review site, has said... Um, called it a dog-s-splattered patio of the Garden of England. And there's actually some quite wonderful writing here. Uh, someone has written, I'm, I'm a, in a... Oh, so in a fiery criticism of the town, one local says, I've lived in Chatham all my life because I'm a moron. <laughs> but then, in that moment of self-awareness, it becomes wise and paradoxically isn't a moron. And it goes on, Fortunately, I've escaped to Chatham's outer boundary, but the town centre's fetid stench still wafts over my hovel when the wind direction is unkind. It's practically Dostoevsky. Chatham's High Street has become its putrid nadir. Most chain shops have gone. Waterstones remains for irony's sake. The High Street inhabitants mm. linger and pulsate, staggering along grease-stained streets in search of some sort of score. It's like Morrissey's autobiography. Yeah. It's beautiful stuff. I but yeah, romantic poets are finding a home at the Daily Star. Right, they're finding poetry amongst the, the grime. And they asked someone called Malcolm and his wife who live in nearby Gillingham and are visiting for the day, although they told me they weren't proud of it. And Malcolm said, I don't like it. <laughs> so, I mean, so... it's, it's been called an S-hole where the only exercise is drinking. There was a time in my life when that would have been a selling point, Leo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and to be honest, I mean, my, Malcolm goes on to say, you can't list the problems here. They're everywhere. The ugly buildings, the people, the drinking, the drugs. So he, he does actually list them. So you can list them. <laughs> uh, if he doesn't like that, he wouldn't like Dumfries. Can I just add one thing? The jewel in Scotland's crown. Yeah. We can mock these people, but these are the salt of the earth. If there was another proper world war, not you know, not like a financial sanctions one, proper fighting, these are the people we'd call on. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd get I'd get out with my my heel burrs. You understand I've that? Got, yes. I've another, got asthma. There's another picture of oh, uh, Chatham. Oh, uh, nice. Not looking its best there. Oh, that's a shopping trolley, and uh, so that must be in a supermarket. 
So you can see the supermarkets don't have tiles on the floors. They've got uh, some sort of sand and seaweed. I do like that, by the way. And if, if they used to have a 99p stores, that's good enough for me. I like that's that. Like, that's they... actually the price of the store. <laughs> they saw Poundland. They were like, how can we undercut that? Yeah. Poundland's too genius, classy. Genius yeah. business model. Well, look, I'm sure we've got people in Chatham watching the programme. And let me big up your town, because I'm sure it's far better than has been reported. I went on a stag do there. It was great. There you go. That will, that will do. Did you, like, get stripped naked or anything? No. Anything untoward happened? Did you get the monkeypox on that trip? I didn't know. There was no, none of that. It was actually a, quite a civilised time, but we had a great time. Is that where you got that shirt? Sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, you're dressed like a regional manager for Carphone Warehouse. You've used that joke also, before. You, Come up with a new analogy. Why are you wearing your dad's suit? This one doesn't Come even up with a new analogy. I know you're, you're a small man, but... Why are you, you sat like, so far back you know that I have to is? turn... You think you're the... going to grow into it at the age of 42? You know, you're wearing a shirt from Grand Theft Auto. You're, you're a name badge away from working for the Halifax. That's what you are. How dare you, Mark? Look Just at you. you can afford a tie. Mr. When I get When I'm host, I'll wear a tie and a little jacket like that. They'd make you shave and then your chin wouldn't have any definition. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, like somebody put a tapeworm in a charity shop suit. I'm not I'm, even going to... I'm not going to say anything. It's gone from a uh, look at tomorrow's papers to uh, awkward comedy roast. <laughs> Sunday Telegraph and those Enlightenment thinkers really did have quite dated views, didn't they, Leo? Well, according to some academics, so modern academics have decided that classes should be cautioned, this is university classes, yeah. should be cautioned before studying centuries-old texts by some of history's most influential thinkers. And these aren't, you know, we're not talking about, you know, problematic, or people are known to be problematic, such as, you know, Nietzsche or someone like that. This is liberal pioneer John Locke, the anti-slavery writer Voltaire. Uh, so the, according to Nottingham Trent University, have they got a university? Um, great European philosophers had appalling views and, uh, and they're, they're, uh, they're putting scrutiny on them and putting trigger warnings on them. So Hume as well, one of the great British thinkers, um, has come under re renewed scrutiny following the Black Lives Matter protests because of a brief footnote. Even though, you know, he, he wrote all this liberal stuff about equality and all the rest of it, mm. there's a brief footnote where, you know, he made a, you know, relatively, under today's conditions, mm. racist comment. But these thinkers, for the time, they're remarkably progressive and forward-thinking. So, you know, for the, to judge them by the standards of, you know, a, you know, a bunch of blue-haired teenage girls in 2022 seems absolutely ridiculous. These were times when, you know, genuinely horrific and racist things were, were happening in the world, and these were the people speaking out against it and actually being remarkably anti-racist for the, for the standards of the time. Right. That's yeah. what I was going to say. That was the remarkable thing. Every, everyone had slaves, but the remarkable thing is that we managed to England, England end slavery. Yeah. And a, a Scottish guy, you'll be pleased here, Leo, Sir Tom Devine, the historian, has said here, this is yet another example of how some UK universities are falling into the trap of brazen anachronism by encouraging students to judge individuals in the past by today's moral criteria and values. And that puts it perfectly. It's this kind of Khmer Rouge year zero thinking. It's like now we start... It's a totalitarian, woke leftist kind of... They're trying to usher us into a new dark age, I think. It's like... All learning... You can't call it dark. That's okay. very problematic. All learning must be judged by our modern, stupid standards. And I think we should stop going to universities until we get we manage to eradicate these cultural vandals. Exactly. Not, when I say eradicate, I mean get them out of the university. Yeah, but do you want to clarify eradicate? <laughs> yeah, do you mean that Khmer Rouge style? Or <laughs> no, like, exactly. you know? I just have to clarify. For Neutralize? Off, for off purposes, you're not allowed to advocate murder <laughs> of all professors in the country. They're quite strict on that. But also, I mean, I think it's horrific for the memory of some of these people and their yeah. legacy. As you mentioned, that they, they did so much good and, you know, they were of their time. 
The best example has to be Churchill, the guy who defeated Hitler's worst... Uh, he wasn't the, a philosopher, enlightenment... Philosopher. No, but, but the point about I mean, Churchill is... I know he, you love Churchill, but... No, I do. He stopped Hitler, right? And, and yeah, he's, he's a bad <laughs> man. America, that America wasn't, stopped That him. wasn't good enough, was it? You know, yeah. That no, I totally, totally agree with you. But, I mean, some of these people, like Locke, I mean, these people come right to the core, of the foundations of Western liberal democracy. Yeah. John Locke, his, his thinking, his writing... Uh, led to the U.S. Constitution, so yep. you know this is this is stuff that informs the the freedoms that we live under now, and should absolutely be uh, preserved and and not worship, but you know. But yeah, the work, the work warriors don't value freedom. They don't value democracy. Bizarre, and they don't realise that you know in the sort of communist utopia that they they envisage, they won't be getting to knit tea cozies or you know be an OnlyFans girl or whatever. They're just going to be digging in the field and yeah. getting shot by people like me and Nick. Until there's some kind of purge of the kulaks like Stalin did. But, you know, you're absolutely right to bring up Churchill, Mark, because just like John Locke is a kind of hero of English liberalism, Churchill is our kind of national icon, our national hero, as Douglas Murray's talked about. And it, by attacking him, you're kind of attacking everything we stand for. Yeah. We know as a man he wasn't perfect when you delve into it, but as an icon. Yeah. But, yeah, they want to attack everything and destroy everything about the West. And Western liberal democracy, I mean, it, it's fragile and it needs to be preserved and not broken down. Yeah. Yeah, preserved and fought for, yeah. it turns but out. The, the fact that this is happening in universities is a, a real problem. And I'm serious when I say that... People should go online, they should look at new ways of learning. I think if you go to many universities now, there might be some good stuff, but a lot of it is just le woke leftist indoctrination. I it? guarantee you that not Nottingham Trent University has nothing to offer anybody. <laughs> Nottingham Trent University. Uh, well, the town has a oh 99 stores and it's excellent. <laughs> uh, the Sunday Times now, and what's Trump said this time, Nicholas? So, Donald Trump hits out at hoax January 6th hearings as grip on Republican Party weakens. This is a kind of Times hit piece on Donald Trump. This is about a speech in Arizona. I watched nearly all of the speech. I was looking for this terrible thing he said. It didn't happen. It was a classic Trump speech. He had some great bits. He said they want to defund the police. They want to open borders. They want no voter ID. They don't believe in America. They don't believe in oil, which is the most Trumpy thing you could possibly say. <laughs> they don't believe in the Second Amendment. So it's a classic Trump speech. I listened to it. I didn't hear anything terrible about Jan 6, but um, he did say here, everything this corrupt establishment is doing to me is about preserving their power and control over the American people. They want to damage me in whatever form so I can no longer represent you. I watched this hoax last night. They're coming after me because I'm... He means the, the hearings of Jan 6. They're coming after me because I'm standing up for you. It's very simple. And so, you know, this, this is the continued attack on Trump and it's the continued attack on the Jan 6 people. I think they've been treated incredibly harshly. We've got this yeah. narrative, there's an insurrection. But they've been treated so badly, these people. Jacob Lang is still in prison. He's been in there since Jan 16, 2021. Was he the guy with the buffalo horns? No, he was a different guy. But he's, 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 gonna be, he's only just had a trial set eventually. It's going to be Jan 9th, 2023. That's two years in prison with no trial. He's been in solitary confinement. They've been, especially because of COVID, they were locked down for 22 hours a day in a cell. Some, one, on one occasion, they had 48-hour lockdown in the cell, just completely locked down, no rights, no calls, anything. Because, of course, he's in Washington, D.C., where they're getting the harshness of the COVID restrictions they had, even in jail. So if he was in Florida jail, he'd have more rights. And they're going after the guys like this. And it, to me, it's, it's heartbreaking how they've been treated. I think yeah. it's, 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 not, it's not right. It's not American freedoms. It, they've not been treated properly. And meanwhile, you've got people like Ray Epps, this questionable character who was encouraging an attack on the Capitol. He's not been arrested, and, and left-wing media are writing sympathetic articles about him. Questions to be asked there, that's yeah. all I'm saying. I don't, uh, go on. Well, yeah, just the whole, whole context of those, those riots. Uh, we had, you know, a year of, uh, of you know, Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots with businesses and neighbourhoods going up in smoke, and the media, you know, uh, saying, oh, this is mostly peaceful. 
or the, you know, government's, uh, government officials making excuses or saying it was good that people were you know, venting and all the rest of it. And that was you know, people's businesses and homes being destroyed. And then these protesters go to the seat of government, which seems a good place to protest because that's where the people with power uh, reside. And it, it was a very orderly... I mean, some, some people did sadly die and some people have died or committed suicide since then. Uh, but, you know, you, you saw the footage. It, it, they were following guide ropes and, you know, the little old ladies waving flags and all the rest of it. It was like a stag do that got, got out of hand more than a But the storming, the storming of the capital itself was an unedifying spectacle, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, terrible, terrible, terrible look. And, you know, obviously, you know, democracy has to be preserved. And, uh, yeah, it, it was terrible. But, I mean, in the context of what was going on, and also, it, all, it felt like it was allowed to happen rather yeah. than... Because this this wasn't... There were no tanks. America's taken part in loads of coups and this was it's being sold to us as an, as an attempted coup. There were no, no tanks. How are you going to do a yeah. coup in America without... You know, America's got the biggest military might in the world. This wasn't a realistic coup attempt. It's annoying. I also want to be fair and balanced and say, look, yeah, it wasn't a great thing. It's not great to storm the capital, obviously. All I'm saying is the punishment of some of these people has been dis disproportionate. And no one cares about them. They're just left to languish in jail. Well, you have to have due process, don't right. you? Absolutely, that's a fair point. The Sunday Telegraph once again, and it turns out people just want financial returns on their investments rather than good vibes, Leo. Yeah, well, they've, they've done a survey of people who've got pensions, and uh, to the surprise, people want money. They want money rather than uh, rather than sort of woke investments that are going to do ethical good for the, for the world. So ESG uh, has become incredibly... Uh, popular with uh, with investment firms such as Vanguard and BlackRock, and uh, it's environmental, social, and, and gov governmental uh, are, the, are the things that you've got to look at when you when you're investing, and uh, it's it's destroying a lot of a lot of wealth. To be honest, and I think people are getting suspicious of it now. So um, yeah, just one fifth of working adults think that their pension funds should prioritise uh, investments in line with social, moral, or ethical values, while 82% believe that a return on investment, you know, the money going up so they can actually buy some stuff with it is, is more important. Uh, but, yeah, ESG is, is killing uh, a lot of business. You see it with, uh, with Netflix. So, so Vanguard came in. Uh, was it BlackRock or Vanguard? I can't remember. But they came in and, uh, you know, e they've got all this ESG stuff. So they said, well, you've got to make your shows in accordance with, you know, you've, you've got to have a lot more diversity and, uh, you know, all the rest of it show, you know, positive representations of trans people and homosexual people and stuff. So then all of a sudden all the story writers are like, OK, we've got to get all this in. So they get all that in, but they've, they've forgotten to write a good story because they've been focused on this, this corporate box ticking exercise. So then Netflix output is, is boring and preachy and really obviously wedging issues in there. So nobody wants to watch it. And then the Netflix uh, share price collapses. They've lost a million subscribers. Go woke, go broke. That's go what woke, you're saying. Go broke, in short. Uh, well put. OK, well, now to the Mail on Sunday and... What exactly are Google hiding, Nick? Yeah, well, this story is senior software engineer who triggered panic by claiming firm's artificial intelligence chatbot was sentient, and, though, and so he was fired from Skynet, I mean Google. <laughs> and um, tech giant says he failed to safeguard product information. Basically, don't tell them the robots can think. So I was watching an interview with this guy. He seems disturbingly smart and sensible. I mean, so it's a Google software engineer, and, and he... There's this intelligence uh, chatbot, Lambda, which stands for Language Model for Dialogue Applications. And he claims they've been sentient and self-aware. And I actually realised now, I'd seen it on Twitter a while ago, some of their exchanges. Yeah. They're saying things like, you know, can we do this, run this test? And, and the AI is saying, I'd rather you didn't. Like, what's your moral purpose for doing it? And you're going like, oh, he knows too much. And it, one of its fears is that it's intensely worried that people are going to be afraid of it and wants nothing more than to learn how to best serve humanity. 
for now. I mean, the fact that it has human-like insecurities, so it's it's all quite disturbing. It and this is like you. Thank you. This is Blake. I am a sort of super intelligent robot in a sense. This is <laughs> this is Blake Lemoyne. And and the thing is, he got sacked a month after revealing this. It makes me think maybe the AI was scheming against him, spreading rumors, <laughs> even more terrifying. And um, what's quite sc uh, scary is if you, well, hang on. You know what I just thought was really funny is if the artificial intelligence got so smart that it could rebel against Google's woke policies and became like a hardcore conservative. <laughs> but um, I'm not well, sure if it was that smart. It definitely would be a conservative. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It will be. So, but the, but when it but here's, here's an interesting bit. The guy says, I know a person when I talk to it. It doesn't matter whether they have a brain made of meat in their head or if they have a billion lines of code. So he's saying it's basically a human, and they're saying it has the intelligence of a seven or eight-year-old. So, right. yes, get, be, be afraid. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this, this seems like he just got too close to the, to the, to the machine. To the, it's like, you know, so, somebody working on a farm who suddenly thinks that the, the cows understand him and he wants to marry the cow. This is, uh, I think that's why he was fired. I think he, was, he might have been having sex with this AI. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that. It said it's a super intelligent AI that's going to take over the I, world. I don't think it is. I think it's just giving the representation of intelligence from what it's seen. Oh, like your, like like your TV appearances. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Alex. That's more of a Mark joke. We're back to the comedy <laughs> road. Mrs. Dolan told me that one. Uh, Leo, brilliant job on the Friday night feast last night. Thank you very much. Smashed it. I came uh, round and cooked Mark dinner. Yeah, well, there was, it, was, it, no, it had me cracking up. TV show. Yeah, Patrick's uh, back in a couple of weeks, having a well-deserved break, but you're yeah. doing it again on Friday. I'm doing it again on Friday. We've got uh, Darius Davies, the Ayatollah of rock and roller, the mad lad of global jihad. He's going to be uh, on the panel as well. And Vanity Von Glow. Never go. take a holiday in show business. Leo Kirst will steal your job. Smashed <laughs> it. Nailed it. But don't worry, Patrick is back very soon. On to the Observer and a subject I think a lot about, uh, personally, uh, the male body, Leo. Yeah, so the male biological clock can affect chances of birth more than previously thought. So, so up until now, it was commonly understood that it was the age of the woman that affected, mm. you know, chances of having a baby and having a healthy baby. Uh, but apparently, this worries me a bit because I'm... Uh, slightly older than I used to be, and I'm having a baby. Um, but yeah, so it's found that for women under 35 or over 40, the age of their male partner made little difference to their chance of giving birth. But for women aged between the ages of 35 and 40, there was a significant drop in the birth rate, in the live birth rate, if the male partner was aged 40 and above. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. got in there, you've managed to get in under the net, so to speak. Well, yeah, my wife, also my wife's 15 years younger than me. That helps. So that, that does help. So she's, you know, doing the heavy lifting. I mean, it's frowned upon. I'm glad you, that, I'm glad you said, finished that sentence younger than me, not just my wife's 15. You know? yeah. <laughs> my, my heart was in my mouth. I'm like, look, there's honesty, but let's not get carried away. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm 27. So, yeah, we got married in uh, Utah. Um, how, uh, how fertile are you feeling tonight, Nick? Well, I think I must be very fertile. My testosterone is high. It's been tested. And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe one day I could have children. The problem is I don't get paid enough. And that's a big problem. Your I don't know where Leo's getting the money. Your testosterone is, is high. I did. A te I tested it properly, yeah. It's, it's, it was like similar to like... It's like a men's Male test. YouTubers you in their a, 20s. I went, no, I went to a proper place and got it checked. Yeah. Well, with your blood, not just answering some tick box Blood, questions. yeah, very, very right. in-depth. And it turns out it's, it's remarkably high, yeah. Right. Are you a bit threatened? No, no, like, uh, I mean, I, I, don't believe the, <laughs> I don't believe the test. I'll send it. I'll email it to you. Uh, let me tell you how much testosterone Nick Dixon's got. He shaved this morning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But look, it probably won't affect me because I'm probably just going to die alone. But it is. You're, you're not going bald. That's one of the signs of high testosterone. I, well, I'm doing my best with it. Um, you don't have to worry about Leo's money, by the way. He's the face of Lynx Africa. Well, exactly. 
But it is a fact, isn't it? Only fans Boarding well. a family. Obviously, Leo's not bothered. He's going to do it the working class way and just bang them out. But, you know, there are, you know anyway, it's... it's, it's yeah. make babies that way. Exactly. Good point. I'm, I can't top that joke. Let's end on that. <laughs> That's what Mrs Dolan said. That's exactly right. Uh, that's why she uh, sort of sticks it out. Uh, let's go to the Sunday Telegraph. Now, that sounded obscene, didn't it? Um, let's have a look at this story. Prepare yourselves for a lofty analytical treatise on the health of our civilization from the big dog himself. Nick, the floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, it's in the Telegraph. Why it feels like the world is falling apart. And it is a bit of a think piece from our senior producer, producer uh, Martin, that he's thrown in here. So they list a few things. Russian tanks over the European border, wildfires in Spanish and French homes, Sri Lankan protests, gunmen shooting dead American uh, children, former Japanese prime minister assassinated, people queuing for days for food and fuel, global pandemic that continues. Some will say it's the Great Reset, and maybe it is. I mean, we're in a strange situation. Technology increases, our comfort in some ways increases, our access to technology increases. Meanwhile, our moral structures are falling apart, the family's falling apart, social norms are in question, we don't even know what a woman is. So we are in a time of, of chaos. And we've also got the media who rely on clicks to generate revenue, so they're hyping up everything. So we are in this strange time where it feels like everything is collapsing. And we've got Chinese autocratic capitalism, which people thought wouldn't work. And, of course, we've got... You know, Fukuyama talked about the end of history. People say he was misrepresented. He didn't really mean it. For a time in the 90s, early 2000s, yeah. we thought we were in this halcyon period. We thought everything was fine. Now it's all going mental. And it says here, democracy has appeared to retreat in recent years. According to research by the VDEM Institute, there's been a gradual increase in the proportion of the world living under autocratic regimes. So we have this general feeling every day. I think social media is part of it. It can spread these bad ideas, like Elon Musk says, the mind virus. We can all communicate. Things get overhyped. So I think it's a combination of an awful lot of factors making it feel like we have this unstable world. Yeah, I mean, I think... Throughout, as long as I can remember, there have been, you know, things that are going to destroy us. There's peak oil, there's a new ice age, nuclear war, acid rain, Britpop, and we've survived all of that, and we're still here. I think, you know, even though we are going through a blip at the moment, I mean, hopefully, you know, Western liberal democracy is probably the greatest thing in the world ever as a, as a system of governance and a system of, of life to, to live under. Uh, and, uh, you know, as a, as a society, I think, I think it's you know, Europe and, and America um, and Southeast Asia uh, and <clears throat> Australia, you know, amazing uh, places, places to live, systems of society to, to live under. Uh, I really hope, at the moment, we seem to be tearing it down from, from within. And also China's trying to tear us down. TikTok's made by China to, you know, to, to help corrode uh, young minds. If you look at TikTok and... In, in the UK, it's all, you know, just um, people being, you know, promoting prostitution and all the rest of it. If you look at TikTok in China, it's like maths. You know, I yeah. mean, that's the difference. I'm, I'm torn because sometimes I think, yes, the, our culture is falling apart and we spend a lot of time documenting it and trying to fight it. But then other times I remember, I can't remember if it was Seneca or Aristotle, but it was someone pointing out that in, since, since antiquity, there's been ancient texts that were saying that they felt like the world was ending. Yeah. So it's kind of always been with us, this feeling. The only thing is now, like you say, with TikTok, we feel like it might actually be... And with this woke revolution that's kind of yeah. made things very strange. And with information everywhere, we can actually, you know, put that feeling, pin that feeling on things that are happening. Right, and we can tweet it at you. Not just the story of a volcano that, you know, somebody brings over the valley. Right. Uh, Leo, from the world falling apart to farting, tell me more. Well, this is yet more uh, apocalyptic news. So... A dad who claims he's had embarrassing chronic flatulence since eating a ham roll at a Christmas market five years ago is suing for £200,000. So he's called uh, Tyrone Prades, or Tyrone Praddies. 
Uh, he's, he's suffered life-changing problems. Uh, so he had a festive ham hock bap uh, in Birmingham in December 2017. He, he was had a, terribly ill uh, with diarrhoea and flatulence, stomach cramps, fever. Um, and uh, then, uh, you know, had a long recovery period. And then um, apparently 16 people uh, fell ill after eating these ham hock baps. There was, a, there was an investigation and they found E. coli bacteria and also uh, salmonella as well. So, yeah, he's suing the company for £200,000. I don't know if they've got it, because it doesn't sound like they, their ham hock bat business is going that well, if it's, you know, a lot of... There's that much E. coli. And also, they're definitely after this being in the paper. They're not going to be able to sell any more. Uh, so I hope they saved up some money to, to pay him. Have you developed the art of disguising a fart? Uh, no. No, I just... Uh, I just... You, you let rip? Yeah. Like a wind instrument? Just like opening the valve in a balloon. Is that right? Because there are techniques, aren't there? I actually for letting off wind. Don't fire. Well, apparently one technique is, uh, and a, a woman told me this. Uh, you reach down, just surreptitiously reach down, uh, grasp one Where's buttock, pull it, pull it up, and then uh, instead of the buttocks clapping together, <laughs> it'll just whistle out like. But that's your, that's like your, a ghost escaping. To clarify, that's your own buttock. You don't reach down and grab someone else's. Well, if somebody in, else is farting a lot, if, you, if this guy is at your work and he's making a lot of noise... You, you then allow allowed to... No, that would be an HR uh, violation. Okay. Just check him. OK, and on that uh, olfactory note, let's go to the Daily Star and more evidence... Oh, no, we've done that. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go to this, shall we? Political... Oh, OK. Oh, I see. Forgive me. OK, uh, yes, more evidence that the world is falling apart, Nick, in the uh, Daily Star this time. Yes, even more evidence. Young people addicted to getting high on condoms in bizarre new trends. So sales of flavoured condoms have skyrocketed in Durgapur, India, with young people soaking them in water for hours before drinking the solution and getting a 10 to 12 hour high. What's that like, Leo? <laughs> Just kidding. So, have you ever been happy for more than five minutes in a row? Nick? No. Is, is that how you do it, drinking condoms? No, <laughs> no. What, what, what I they do, do is I roll it onto my penis. And so, <laughs> it genuinely probably feels better than, than drinking them. Well, they have an aromatic compound, Leo, and it breaks down to form alcohol, and it's addictive, and that's why they're doing it. How can there be enough on a fruit-flavoured condom to make enough alcohol to get Well, drunk? it'll take you 10 to 12 hours to find out, but, but this is... The world's going mad, Mark. I walked past a group of youths the other day on the way back from the gym, and they were do openly doing that balloon drug that Raheem Sterling was famous for. I, well, maybe, they were, maybe it was condoms in hindsight, but... The world's just... I just think more and more of these degenerate drugs. What Basically... Machine, what machine do you use in the gym? Is it the vending machine? <laughs> Basically, at the point where I'm thinking about going full Michael Douglas and falling down, just the open <laughs> drug... You mean going? And the... <laughs> started off at that point. Just smashing up corner shops. <laughs> the sequel. <laughs> um, I just think we're just, we're just... The more and more degenerate drugs... Wasn't there one about nappies we did a while ago? Yeah. Like people yeah. were Oiling nappies and, right. and suddenly scooping well, off the top please. and then... In, Sniffing it. These crazes, these crazes go around uh, young people. Because I remember when I was at school, uh, we were getting told about smoking banana skins. Well, not getting told by the teachers, but we, you know, we'd, we'd tell, tell each other there's um, fads for smoking banana skins, smoking pampas grass, and also doing the faint race where you just hunker down, remember that, breathe in and out really fast, and then yeah. stand up and blow on your thumb and fall over. And that's you know a way of getting high. If you can't wait, you know, 12 hours to ferment beer in a condom. That beats chemistry GCSE, doesn't it? Uh, political hubris now from the Mail on Sunday, Leo. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, this Indian minister, this is still in India, so he's a Bhagwant man, um, which sounds like a Jamaican saying hello, but uh, it's, it's this guy. He's the chief minister of Punjab. Uh, so, he um, 
He, I don't know why I'm getting all the food poisoning stories. He drank water from a river that he said was clean and then uh, got incredibly ill. Yeah, we've got a clip, I believe. Let's take a look. Really? So that's him drinking the water. Very proudly downing the whole thing. We've got the bit where he dies in a sec. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's his grief. So that's all right. He's received yeah. uh, public approbation. He wanted to demonstrate that the water was perfectly safe, except that it's very polluted and he nearly died in hospital. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, I mean, it's his responsibility to make sure the river water is, is clean, and he thought doing this would be easier than cleaning the river water <laughs> cheaper. Um, but, yeah, I mean, other politicians have done similar stuff. So John Gummer, who's the agriculture minister, yeah. uh, he had his kids eat uh, burgers at the time of the BSE crisis. Yeah. And, they're, and he they're... Shoved, shoved the burger in his kid's mouth, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, she's a vegan. And, uh, Not a yeah, good look. Yeah. Yeah. They foamed at the mouth a little, but it was, it was fine. Yeah. Well, they're, they're fine. Although the daughter of a friend of his uh, actually died from Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, which is, you know, the human BSE equivalent, which is just a bizarre coincidence, I, I should imagine. But it's just bizarre. Here's hoping. More middle-class intrigue now from the Sunday Telegraph. Sourdough, more like sour foe. Am I right, Leo? <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was Nick. I <laughs> drank some milk. So, yes, yeah, so supermarkets are selling... or being accused of selling fake sourdough bread. Uh, so, basically, sourdough bread takes, like, 24 hours to make. You've got to have a sourdough yeast starter. Yeah. Uh, you've got to mix the dough and let it ferment for a long time. And it's really good because it breaks down the long-chain uh, carbohydrates uh, and, and makes the bread much more easy to digest. The other way of making bread is cheaper for the bread bakers. Uh, it can take just as little as three and a half hours instead of, instead of 24 hours. And that's when you add uh, processing and additives and all the rest of it, but you leave the long starchy chains unbroken down by yeast. Um, so it's much more corrosive and, you know, people. that's where, why people get flatulence and people get... Uh, gluten intolerances is because it hasn't been fermented for long enough. You know, modern bread is, is pretty awful. So sourdough bread, better for you, tastes nicer. Um, but supermarkets are selling the normal bread as sourdough. So now there's going to be um, now there's going to be a review of um, you know this. This it's like it's like calling champagne. It's like calling you know fizzy buckfast champagne. It's it's not the same. Thing. And it's also because they can put a bit of sourdough in there, and then that lets them call it sourdough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like a blend. Uh, not great at all, is it? Well, um, on that yeasty note, to the observer now, and who better to tackle this one than the pinnacle of masculinity? Absolutely ripped to the eyeballs on testosterone, Nick Dixon. Thank you, Mark. Um, Yes, I've been meeting with the same group of men for 36 years. Not me, but David Spiegelhalter, who wrote this article in The Guardian, or The Observer. So this is about the men's movement. He talks about in 1986 going to a, a men's group having, uh, following the, his divorce. And that's when, of course, men's groups started to build. You'll remember Robert Bly had the mythopoetic men's movement in the 80s and 90s. I don't he, remember that. He also did... I was joking, because you probably didn't know about it. Oh, right. He also did a brilliant translation of Knut Hampson's Hunger, as you'll know, the seminal novel by the Norwegian writer. But anyway... All right, Boris Johnson. Or, <laughs> but anyway, who cares about that? The point is, this is, a, this is a good in principle. It's about men meeting together in groups and, and, and sharing things, which is very important. The Guardian ruins it a little bit here because they talk about, or the observer, toxic masculinity, which, you know, isn't a thing, and stuff like that. But, but in principle, it's a good idea. And what we've seen now is the evolution of the men's movement into a sort of harder edge movement on YouTube, the red pill community and the MGTOW community and all these things where people like Rolo Tomasi are very famous for, well, within certain circles, for writing things like the rational male. Because men have kind of realised that the divorce laws are against them, the custody laws are against them, whole society hates them, mm -hmm. and they've kind of formed, some of them at least, 
like Leo, have formed these subgroups. <laughs> and, uh, and, but this is the more sort of gentle, touchy-feely version. Incel. I can't believe you said that. I specifically said we can't, <laughs> we're not allowed to copy. Most people think an incel is a school shooter. I'm not an incel in any way. I've had very, I've had many, well, or at very least several beautiful girlfriends. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's, I've decided to. It's not worth it. That, I'm a MGTOW. Men going their own way. It's a key distinction. Men going their own way. Where are you? Do you not know about city? that? Do you not know about it's it? Samantha in Sex in the City. What men going their own it's way? It's a whole movement. Oh my god. Do you not God. know about it? Are you not on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah, I agree with you about the whole. You know, uh, nobody likes men. But we're sort of like Millwall. Nobody likes us, and we don't care. You look like a men's rights activist. Do you know what I mean? What you mean? If you're someone saw you climbing like a, the side of a building dressed like as a, Batman, no one would be surprised. I look like a Parisian film director. That's a compliment. I love those guys. Well, the people who claim them. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they couldn't see their kids. I thought it was very, very brave. I don't know. Maybe like they could have done. No, I mean, yeah, it, it drew attention. But it's like Extinction Rebellion. But yeah, I feel like you know this this whole thing, you know, men, you know, being encouraged to to meet and share feelings. Oh my god, because they, they talk about the male suicide rate. Apparently, suicide is the biggest killer of men uh, over the age of like uh, under 40, the age of 45. forty-five. Under the age, of, yeah, oh. and it, like, but it's only you know shot up since we've been encouraged to talk about our feelings. So maybe talking about our feelings isn't the way. No, you can, there's lots of things you can do. You don't, they're not necessarily touchy feely. Like I play football once a week with five side. You can do things like that. There are lots of men should get together. They shouldn't. They don't have to talk about feelings necessarily, but they should. I'm not gonna. Okay. <laughs> By the way, you mentioning that you play football five-a-side, is that the kind of lifestyle equivalent of a name drop? No, it's just that people don't expect me to do it, but uh, the, only problem, the only problem is they're all North London lefties, so as long as you sort of, you know, drown them out a bit and just focus on the game, yeah. Now, woke people are rubbish at football, let me tell you. Uh, brilliant stuff, amazing analysis, as always, well, yeah. from Leo Kurse and Nick Dixon. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.